0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the SAS Community channel, where we talk about the challenges, the wins, the fun of building SaaS products, and we learn from each other. Today, I have with me Dustin Cote. Dustin is a product manager at Confluent. Uh, where he worked for, I'll let him say how many years, uh, on uh, the observability products for Confluent Cloud. And I think today the role includes metrics, events, notifications, and how customers interact with all of the above. So we brought him here by special request from the SaaS community, they wanted to know what metrics, what notifications, what events to expose to customers versus what belongs internally. And Dustin has been doing it for a long time with a very large range of customers, so we thought he will be the expert to tell us all about how customers think about the metrics that SaaS products expose to them. So happy to have you on the show, Dustin. It's uh, great to be here talking to you.
1: Oh, Nice to be here. And uh, I guess the the number is almost six years at Confluent, um, with about half of that in product and the other half in support.
0: You've seen both sides of the metrics.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, how
0: to give them and also what happens when you desperately need them and they're not there.
1: That's right. Yep. That's how I ended up over on the product side in the first place, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you know, Let's just jump into the community question. How do you decide what metrics to show to customers in your product?
1: Yeah, I, it's it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky problem to solve. I think the the way that I've thought about it is that metrics are kind of where your your business strategy, your all these decisions that you're making about where your SaaS product fits in the world of metrics and, and these observability components are kind of where that meets practicality. It's a, so if I've decided I'm going to abstract some infrastructure layer away from the customer and give them value, I can't then tell you metrics about CPU, right? I have to ev- actually abstract that and go into the metrics that the customer can actually affect change on. and um and give them the right level of visibility and sometimes that means hard decisions that feel painful at first and sometimes uh that means that the customer comes back to you later and like wow this is way simpler than i thought it was going to be um kind of get both ways
0: product strategy it sounds like you're referring specifically to the mental model that the customer should have when they think about the product essentially like you you have a mental model on how to interact with the product you're trying to get the customer to buy into this mental model and metrics should play into that they cannot kind of break some kind of an obstruction wall in that model
1: right yeah you can't you know give them the pitch on to you how why to use your product and then show them something that it's a totally different product when it comes to how to operate it. Um, you you kind of have to be in the, right, uh, in the right layer all the way down your product, not just, not just on, the, on the slide where.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because really, a lot of infrastructure stuff really, really try to obstruct, as you said, like the CPUs. And I'm thinking even like if I use you know, GKE, Kubernetes, They are really trying to obstruct the fact that, uh, you know, we have a lot of machines. They want me to think in terms of not even containers, like the pods and so on. And like if I provision pod, it comes with a bunch of stuff, but like in the network layer, but I shouldn't really think about monitoring the network layer. The problem is that sometimes like, the natural layer breaks <laughs> and now what do I do?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that's where, um, where we've seen some of our, some of our users find out that we are experimenting, right? We don't know the right answer all the time. And they have to be, you're wrong. You should have exposed something else. Right. And so what we try to do in, in those situations is you still have to understand status. You know, metrics give you a nice view into if something, some resource is saturated. Um, you have to decide is the status of that resource or that component of what what you're exposing, is that status something that is important for the customer to understand? Is it something that they can affect change on or really do what they need is a notification that, hey, something is broken and we will fix it in X number of minutes, right?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I'm seeing like in, you said something that is really key for me. It's like affect change. Do you really want to see something go red on your dashboard that you have literally zero way to do something about? Like, I can say, okay. hey, I would restart a machine, but if I don't have a way to restart the machine, then it's kind of useless.
1: Right. Uh, I think if it if it goes red and you can't do anything about it, then whoever's can do something about it should tell you when they're going to do something about it. Right? That's, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. On the other hand, you know, those post-mortem blog posts when people tell you in retrospect how, what went wrong and how the people did something about it, those are actually extremely popular. People yeah. want to know way more details than what is useful or actionable.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's true. And I think a lot of times at least when I'm reading those postmortem uh, things, I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't have to do that, <laughs> right? Like that's that's usually where where I end up. But they're really interesting. But I I haven't had too many customers, you know, when when there's a postmortem or or something come back and say, I wish I could have just been in there to manually (laughs) rebalance those brokers like it's not it's not something that they've asked for right yeah Yeah,
0: no really never (laughs) but i'm wondering if there's an element of i actually want to see the accident more closely you know like if you drive on the highway and you kind of crane your neck to take a better look of the accident i wonder if some metric requests come from this i want (laughs) i want to take a better look at this disaster going on over there Uh, absolutely yeah (laughs) and
1: i and some people are just like curious right they just I want to learn something about how this system works. Can you just tell me? And you know, that's a, uh, it's a valid thing, but there are other ways to learn that.
0: (laughs) And you mentioned something super important that we're trying to figure out what metrics customers are just merely curious, but are, will confuse them and probably shouldn't be exposed versus which metrics are actually really important. Customers should absolutely know about them. And I am a bit uh, like, do you how do you go about experiments like do you just expose to metrics and see which customers are happier after an incident
1: right (laughs) so that's always a dangerous game yeah so like um a b testing doesn't really work that well for metrics uh because you know once once you get a metric out there it's really hard to take it back uh you know there's a there's a reason why all these you know companies that ingest metrics make tons of money because people send the metrics off and then they Oftentimes don't look at them again but they keep getting charged for them and part of your value is as a, as a SaaS provider is i i'm gonna give you just what you need so how do you do that i think the way i i think about it is i go back to wherever we're supposed to be abstracting from the customer and try to make decisions that way it's a little bit more challenging because experimenting is hard um, and you kind of have to intuit a lot of, a lot of how do I make this product strategy or the business strategy translate to this pretty technical thing, um, but it oftentimes you have to wade through a couple of complex conversations with customers and then um, follow up, you know, give them a month or two with their current viewpoint that you provide and say, do you need a little more information? Then you bleed that little more information out there um, because if you try to expose everything and then take things away, it doesn't work.
0: That's a very good approach. So it's easier to add stuff incrementally and that's also right. like something we learned in open source. It's much easier to open source stuff than to take anything back uh, when you're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given that stuff away. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's the, like, I guess it's exactly the same lesson in metrics. Like, it's basically you're saying metrics, selecting metrics is a one way door. That's- Kind That's pretty I mean.
1: much it. And it, like you, you can experiment with how you're presenting the metrics all day long in, in your UIs or in the API and give people a, a way to, to see things a little bit differently. Um, but the actual content, you just have to be careful. I, uh, I,
0: I was thinking like on the, around ways of saying things differently. There's those metrics that you actually need very rarely. Like I, say like, I don't need to look at the CPU unless this throughput just dropped, and then I really would need to know if it's the network or the CPU or the disk or what is it.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I guess some metrics are kind of like really only important in context. Um, so yeah, we're only adding metrics. So one special case is really the case where someone actually already had a system in-house, whether they had their own Kubernetes and migrating to a you know, a cloud managed Kubernetes has their own Kafka managing, moving over to a Confluent managed Kafka. Um, and then they used to have a, a lot of metrics. Like they saw everything from, you know, number of interrupts per second on the CPU to everything high level. They had SLAs, they had everything in their control. They defined the SLAs, everything. And then they moved to your service. And suddenly they are with your metrics. <laughs> How does
1: that go? It it usually goes a little bit bumpy at first. So you know you have this customer who was used to looking at dashboard upon dashboard of thousands of different metrics, and they understand some of them. Some of them they uh, they kind of guess at, but you know they're they're experts, right? They're experts in this kind of operational stuff. And you're telling them, well, now you get ten metrics and uh, (laughs) one dashboard and it, it's, and you know, we will
0: deal with all the problems? <laughs> that's right,
1: and and they're a little distrustful of that because they know how hard it is, right? Like, um, and so you have to kind of show them rather than tell them. I think in a lot of ways, but um, it is it's always like, hey, you know, this is a problem that you no longer have to worry about. This is now you can kind of put your expertise and all this time that you're going to save into the application layer or into the, in our case, at into the application layer. Or if you're um, managing multiple services and one of them isn't quite so mature, well, maybe go look at that one and you become more expert at that. There's always more work to do. Uh, I think that that's and
0: to be honest, nobody actually wants to be paged more. Like even if I'm in full-time SRE DevOps, I probably won't have stuff to automate <laughs> right. there's probably like more, I could probably have an open source project that they always wanted to contribute to. <laughs> like I cannot imagine someone saying, you know, I moved to managed service and suddenly I miss all those pages.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're taking those pages for you now, like, and, and you don't have to stress so much and there's a, it's asking them to take a leap. Right. And that anytime you do that, you have people who push back, but um, hopefully you can convince them um, enough to at least try it. And I have to say, I am not aware yet of a single user who has switched to the managed service and been like, never mind. I d I didn't like that. I didn't like understanding less about what was going on and just having it just work. I think I'd I'd rather just be on call all the time. Like yeah, a, it
0: definitely feels like a one-way funnel kind of right. thing. like everything is becoming more more and more managed. And right. So yeah. I was thinking like, it's almost like when you hire a nanny, like in the beginning, you're like, is she feeding the baby right? Is she taking, as, I, is she holding them right? Like, is she taking as good care of them as I would? And then after a while, it's like, oh, it's actually nice being able to, you know, go out alone every once in I, a while.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I have, you know, four kids in my house right now. And it's, uh, that, that would hit close to home. <laughs> yeah. Four kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's no nanny here. <laughs> so. yeah.
0: Do you yeah. have like strong opinions about your baby monitor, like as a result of uh, being in monitor? Baby
1: monitor, baby metrics. I have a lot of KPI opinions <laughs> on babies. Yes.
0: Are they growing in the right place? Yeah, That's right. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned like basically exposing very opinionated, very well-designed metrics to customers. And yeah. I'm guessing that there is a lot of internals. You're not just you know, taking stuff directly out of Kafka JMX and dumping it off to some API somewhere. What does it actually take to build this kind of product like internally? If you can just give high level view of your architecture.
1: It is, uh, it, it takes sort of a lot of, first before even you get to how like technically you solve the problem at first, it takes a lot of convincing of people who are experts in the software that not, that the users need something more simple, um, and so you have to first overcome that, and then once once you get to I that point, this
0: picture and I don't like it. I'm actually <laughs> feeling called out in my own podcast.
1: <laughs> unintentional, unintentional. The uh, yeah, the um it, after you get to that point, it's like okay, now you you need to have this um you need to have multiple layers of aggregation. You know, you can't just. Dump everything into the data warehouse and then kind of expect that sol- that solves it for all my internal use cases and my external use cases. I think you need to have, um, you know, it, it's no secret we use like Druid internally um, to serve sort of more real-time aggregates to customers um, and for some more, not necessarily real-time, but like midterm, I guess. Um, aggregates to internal users. And then we have a data warehouse where we do more long-term analytics. And then you have to also have some place where you're going to have operational dashboards and presentation layer that runs on something completely different. Um, So you kind of have to look at it. I'm collecting these metrics and events for things, um, but I need different ways to slice and dice them internally. So you, you, you have to kind of understand what use cases you have, not just to customers but also you know if you're metering for billing you need to be able to you know run that billing runner uh in the same way as a customer would run it um if they were doing chargebacks on their own self-managed thing but you're doing it at scale yeah. so it, it's a it, there's some challenges there but the, the infrastructure you just have to be flexible and, and be willing to process the data um, w- with different technologies, not just focused on, you know, let's try to do it with one thing and, and yeah. it solves all the problems. And
0: it even ties a bit into the persona, right? Because the, like the, the level of data you need, you mentioned billing, the finance guy needs is just to give me the bottom line. And then there's probably people who need more drill down metrics obviously have to be a lot more detailed uh, as in the bills and maybe even more real time in the bills. And then like, like, for data analysts, no matter how much they say that they like uh, real-time, they, once a week, once a day is kind of real-time enough, usually. Right.
1: Yeah, well, and, and they don't want the, t- the report changing all the time because it can get expensive oh, oh, for oh, them, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so they, you know, they want things that, are, that fit into their, their mental model. You're yeah, kind of providing exactly. that platform yeah, internally.
0: Business aggregations are just a totally different type of modeling than right. the data, like real-time metrics aggregation. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then okay, so I'm switching topics out of metrics because the other thing you're responsible for, which is also very much events-based, is notifications. And I have to share with you like my biggest notification annoyance at all times, essentially, because it happened years ago and I will never forget where we had, we may or may not have had an issue with our billing, we, we, I, I will never know that, but our cloud providers thought that we have an notific- issue with our billing, and they basically sent an email to every single user of their cloud, which for us was literally our entire company, saying we are about to shut down all your cloud services, Uh, which we didn't know which account, so we didn't know which cloud services, but it could have been customer-facing, like it could have been our customers' clusters being shut down, which, and it was like, I think, 2 a.m. or something, and everyone was paged, everyone panicked, and like an entire company, and that was not okay. Like, (laughs)
1: Like,
0: this is something that I think very strongly that vendors should never, ever do, but clearly it just shows that even for very large companies, notification was clearly at someone's bottom of the priority list, there was, yeah. I can tell you right now, there was no PM. <laughs> like someone just had to, they said, oh, if the bill runs out, you have to notify, just code something. We don't right. have time to actually think about the user experience here.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the notification stuff uh, is also near and dear to my heart because of being in support for so long. It's it's like you need to be able to communicate with the customers. And um, the more you communicate, to the right person at the customer you know the right user the better the more you do it wrong you just make everybody angry <laughs> the right <laughs>
0: user the right information the right time right. like all those things really really matter
1: and it's a complex thing to get right and um so we don't have it right yet of course but i think it's um the the way that we've thought about it in like to avoid emailing everybody at the entire company to try to uh to get them to Pay a bill, um, which makes no sense. the The way that we're thinking about it is, we set up role based access control. Like you can you can do that in a product. You know, you set admins for this thing, or you give them a cluster scope, or some kind of privilege. If we can notify customers based on the role that they've self selected, right? They've they've determined, they've told you what their persona is, what the information they want to receive. So you just give that person that information, right? And um, you 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 got to be aware that these the notifications about marketing stuff and trying to get leads and things not you send that off to the cluster admin. They're not only they're not going to like that. They're going to unsubscribe and they're going to be they irritated. They can't
0: really do anything about it, and the right. only thing they can do is unsubscribe and then not get notifications that they actually
1: need. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to like get people. The right information so for operational okay. stuff then you get the admin right
0: so yes, yeah, there's just so much to unpack here so i'm going to <laughs> this slowly first of all there is the internal stakeholders who want to send notifications who can be you know the owners of the products who want to notify about operational things as part of the product but as you said like also marketing may want to notify for other reasons uh sales may want to notify There's probably a growth team somewhere that says like, oh, those notifications will be perfect for onboarding. So you kind of need to get that part under control. And then, as you said, you you brought up something that I really haven't considered before, but is incredibly important. You took something that was actually designed for security, but you said, hey, there's good information here that is relevant over there as well. And which meant that you actually had to go and talk to the security team and get like who are probably not like they have their own problems and their own focus and kind of hey, you know, we should we should use this also for that. And so let's talk about how did you get everything under control?
1: Yeah, I I think um, somebody told me recently like you have to be careful not to ship your Conway boundaries to your customers. Yeah,
0: the notifications is really where the method, like when the rubber hits the road, I guess, because you have all those internal stakeholders and all those products. Like I have my Kafka notifications, but when Kafka is down, KSQL will probably also not work. Do you notify for every single product that depends on Kafka that they don't work either? So like, yeah. Yeah. So that's like t- it's very to me. a multi-org uh, PM role. Like it's not like I will work with my events team in my silo and design something.
1: Right. And honestly, it took us a long time, like, it, it, to get to the point where we are, and and it's going to be a long road ahead. But it's it's the right problem to solve because if you're thinking about it, like, let's just send some emails well, then I don't think that you're totally doing the SAS thing, right? You have yeah. to be opinionated about it. Yeah. And um, to do that properly takes a lot of alignment <laughs> across many teams to get everybody on board with the idea that the notifications platform that we're building internally is going to work for all of these different use cases and solve a valuable problem, a valuable user experience problem, but also like a valuable you know, legal problem. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you have if you know some security incident or something, you need to notify the right people and you, you need to see did, did this get in the hands of the admin or did I just send it to the entire organization and wake everybody up at 2 a.m. Like I don't want to do that. So um, and also the
0: reverse, you can cause a serious issue for a customer if a minor cluster blip is awarded in a way that is too scary and gets sent to some kind of a vp because he's the one who signs the bit
1: <laughs> right so you you have to really do a good job of aligning your personas with the roles and understanding who is who's going to receive what notification so basically you by say default.
0: if you are, if your role is a cluster admin you are the notifications guy for anything that's wrong with this cluster
1: that's yeah. right and you can't get out of it this is like that you are you're required to receive these emails. And if you don't like them, then you should probably not be the admin. <laughs> right. That's
0: do we, do we check if they open them? Like can we right. just kind of you know complain to his boss? Like this guy does not even bother opening our uh, uh incident notifications. What are you even doing?
1: Right. That's that's part that's part of what we track, right? Is if they have gotten the email and if they've actually seen it um because sometimes we need to know that information like if oh, we yeah this yeah.
0: happened before the customer said oh why didn't you notify me about this thing right. and you're like oh actually in this day this day this day and this right day, yes i yeah that's a good, very good way and see that's why notifications requires the pm you can't just throw right. it there's just so much customer experience to think about
1: it's the primary way that you will interact with your customers so i think that falls in the PM bucket, right? If customer interaction, yeah. Yeah,
0: So it sounds like you kind of mix, like you have the persona framework, like if he's a cluster admin, he will need to know about those things. And then you also kind of have a jobs to be done framework, like in order for him to be a successful cluster admin, he needs to do those things. And therefore we need to let him know when he needs to do those things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because roles basically let... Customers tell you as a person, you
1: know. Right. To. Yeah, they they're telling you all you have to do is listen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, one of the interesting things about those operational notifications is that people may want to actually, you know, in, <laughs> open a support ticket, interact, ask, right. um, do stuff with them. How? Like, yeah what kind how do you encourage this kind of uh, interaction basically
1: yeah so, what so
0: are, actually what happens when i reply to a notification image?
1: <laughs> it actually it opens a support ticket for Confluent directly really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so if you reply to it it goes right into the support portal and uh, we can pick it up and talk to the, talk to you over that um because like it is about engaging right it's about how do we get this customer to talk to us more and if um It'd talk to us more about the right things. Like we don't want them to yell at us necessarily unless there's something to yell about. But if you get, you know, a, a notification via email, you can reply and you get a support ticket. We, we're starting to also put other kind of actions into the notifications. So if you are um, getting a notification, that it's like 90% utilized cluster, uh, push this button to go to expand <laughs> that cluster, right? That's the kind of stuff that we want to do is like, so, you okay. know, give yeah. the decision right there and the notification yeah. so that the customer can. I
0: mean, and I bet the sales guys don't object to having.
1: Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. there and
0: then. Yeah. Yeah. Do you also notify when the cluster is underutilized and tell me to uh, shrink it?
1: Um, I mean, we should. <laughs> that would be the right thing to do, right? right yeah. I think um, so. <laughs> so we, and that'll be uh, that'll be on the list of things that we should do, right? Um, but because it, it is, it's like then you have to ask the question, why is this cluster not utilized that well, right? Because nobody wants to do it. Very much
0: so. So Someone has to figure it out. Right.
1: And it doesn't make any sense to give somebody a big fat bill and then have them on, like, stop using the service. You know, it may be
0: even that connectivity is not working, and you should probably open a support ticket to find out. Right,
1: exactly. Um, So that's all about the engagement part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I actually don't never open emails. I kept talking like I'm getting notifications via email. I actually don't use patient routine. Slack most of the time. Um, So like, how do you notify? Like, is it like I have to set up Slack notification or is like uh, there's like a bottom set up notification kind of thing?
1: So we, because we have email addresses, cause that's how you log in.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: So you can't get away from that one. So we, we always have email available um, and that's where we send like required notifications. But uh, you know, the idea with all this enterprise SaaS stuff is customers have a billion systems are also running. So it's to, like to fit into their scenario. So send notifications to Slack. Sure, just sign up, just subscribe, put it in the Slack channel. Um,
0: That kind of ties in. If you ever add like social login, like so I can log in via Facebook, I would actually Facebook Messenger.
1: uh, Live in Confluent Cloud today, (laughs) log in with Google. uh, Went live. We're
0: getting,
1: we're getting closer. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, Like sign up with Slack. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sign up with Slack. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good one. Yeah. But all they then we wouldn't even, yeah, we would just be able to directly integrate. Um, but yeah, all of these um the notification sort of uh, ecosystem is very diverse in enterprise. You've got, you know, ServiceNow, PagerDuty, Big Panda, yeah. you know, OpsGenie, mm-hmm. all these things. And so Every We're not
0: integration game,
1: <laughs> right? It's so like you got to have all these things because no one's coming to your UI to see if there was a notification, right? Okay. You want to fit into their, um, have into their one, ecosystem.
0: One last question for you. Yeah, uh, a kind of a feature or yeah, something that you basically wanted to build into metrics and notifications and event space, maybe since the day you took the role. And somehow, it never made it to the top of the priority list, but you still hope that you will be able to do it. I know every PM has one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, So in one of the big things that I want is for our support teams, because I'm in support at heart, right? I want our support teams to have the same view that a customer has. Because inevitably, you get on a screen share with a customer. And you, they're showing you what do they have? And yeah. And so, you have the
0: same thing running in your data center.
1: <laughs> right. We have all of the information. What I just want to be able to say when the customer opens a support ticket, or even when they haven't just say, you know what? Gwen is a Confluent Cloud customer in this organization. I want to have the Gwen view. I want to be able to ask Gwen, okay, hey, can I be Gwen for 30 minutes and poke around in this thing and understand what you're seeing, um, If i could do that now there's all kinds of legal and compliance blockers that you have to cross to get to that but if i had that to me that is that's not observability in the data sense it's observability in like the customer sense i can see what the customer can see and it's perfect absolutely
0: yeah Yeah. i have to say you are the second ex you are still confluent we had ram furix earlier Uh, he ex-confluent at the time. Yeah. And um, when I asked him the same question, like, what did you always want to build and didn't get to? He said the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> he said, you know, I always wanted to have a support PM. I feel like we should have an amazing support portal and give customers yeah. better service if we have this really strong support experience and I never got to do it. Yeah. it sounds like I don't want to make forward-looking statements for a company I'm no longer in, but it starts looking like something is coming.
1: Maybe. I hope <laughs> so.
0: Every single person I talk to says, oh yeah, this is totally my, the things that I wish, I feel like we really should be doing in just, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, amusing to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Let's get everybody on board. let interview more people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the next person to interview would be Sam Hecht. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just for listeners, Sam Hecht is uh, the VP uh, VP at this point, right? Yeah, uh, who runs uh, worldwide support for uh, Confluent, and I'm just guessing that he would say the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> cool, thank you so much, Justin. I learned a ton, and it was a really really fun conversation. I hope all the listeners learned something and. Maybe even have as much fun as we did.
1: Thanks for inviting me on.